You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Can Batman survive against Lovecraftian horrors? How's the latest bit of Apex Legends going? Is South Park still funny and relevant? How would you fare playing against TJ and Guilty Gear Strive? Are we looking forward to Diablo 4? And how has Ruby Volume 9 been so far? Guys, we'll be figuring those questions out today and more on our episode of What's New. This is Systematic Ecology. We are the priests to the geeks. Guys, I'm your host, Christian Ashley. I am joined by my two good friends here. Nick, how's it going, Nick? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm okay. A little stumbling over my words, but that's always going to happen with that stutter and lisp. It's just how world, the world... Blah, blah, there we go. Point in case. That's just how things go. Josh, keep this in. No cuts. <laughs> It's your brand, bro. It's your brand right now. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. I'm also joined by the one, the only, when God created man, he knew it was not good for man to be alone. So he created woman. He was also knew that man and woman would need a friend. And when that happened, God created TJ, for which we are all grateful. TJ, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm all right. Thanks for asking. Perfect. Guys, we're going to head into this. We have a lot to discuss. This is going to be a ton of fun. I already know. So we're going to start, as I always do, with a lightning round. I'm going to start with The Last of Us. Uh, those of us who've been following that, TJ, how are you feeling? Uh, man, it's good, and I'm not really looking forward to season two. <laughs> TJ and I share that same sentiment. I love this ending. Uh, it is one of the best in video game history, as well as what they're doing with the TV show. That was very faithful to the games in that regard, loving it. Uh, as far as what happens with part two, like I said before, it's not written with me in mind, so I'm going to try and enjoy it, but I know there are things I won't like. That's okay. I know a lot of people will because last of us two sold really well. Uh, Nick, you got anything you want to add to our lightning round? You know, I was telling TJ before we started that I need to get on the last of us train because I have failed to get on, but I will get there. I will get there. Uh, I guess the Mandalorian uh, is something that I've been enjoying. I have not watched the latest episode, but uh, every time that show comes on, like everybody else, I get stoked because it's carrying the franchise and it does it well. So, yeah, those last two, well, the last three, we'll say the last two, since we don't spoil anything for you, have been tremendous. And I'll just say for the last, the last episode that just premiered, that was it went in a direction I did not think it would, and I enjoyed it immensely. TJ, how about okay. you about the Mandalorian? I haven't caught up. Okay. Would you like to add anything to the lightning round? Yeah. Um if you haven't read Jujutsu Kaisen, One Piece, Blue Lock, or Dandadan, you're missing out on some great chapters, especially the last one for all four of those. I'll second those. As well, or guys, go ahead and Oh yeah, I was about to say. Just check out the anime, if nothing else, and then move to the manga from there. Excellent. Last thing I'm going to bring up will be The Bad Batch. Had a real chill episode last time around. Nothing nothing earth-shattering, well, other than a giant wave. But you know what? That was part of the episode. It was so good. You guys caught up to that one as well? Or are you behind? I fell so far behind. I uh, I have still not even finished Clone Wars because I ah. am a failure. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can't say that when you're actively in school and you have a family to care for, Nick. Bless you, sir. You know, unlike, yeah, unlike us single losers here, like who have all the time in the world to do whatever we want, you actually have responsibilities. 
<laughs> Here's the thing: single, ready to mingle, baby. So I, there you, you go. Know, I should be the one who's a little jealous. Just kidding. My wife, I love her very much, <laughs> and I love my responsibilities. Excellent. You guys, have anything else you want to add to the lightning round before we head to our main topics for today? No, I don't ma'am. think so. All right, let's do this. So I'll be starting us off. Recently, DC uh, had animation le- left us with their last uh, Batman story, which is adapted from Batman: The Doom That Came to Gotham, which was written by Mac. Uh, excuse me, Mike Mignola, I believe is how you pronounce that. Josh and I had that problem in our comic book catch-up episode the other day. So same guy who wrote Hellboy then wrote this, I believe it's an Elseworlds series that they've adapted into an animated form. Same name, Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. And it shows Bruce Wayne becoming Batman while also dealing with Eldritch Tours. Sign me up. This was amazing. Before I go any further, have you guys watched this? Not yet. It's on the list, though. Also on my list. Yeah. I'm say this is... One of the best modern interpretations of the Lovecraft Cthulhu mythos that I've seen in a while. Is it perfect by any stretch of the imagination? No, but it's a fun time. You get to see reimaginings of, you know, Two-Face and Poison Ivy and even, you know, Green Arrow and Batman coming into this world of uh, just Eldritch Horror, but also maintaining that superhero special that DC brings. Tons of fun. This is going to... If you haven't figured out when we're rating and reviewing this, it's going to be fairly high on my end. But one of the things I did want to mention is that kind of one of the holdovers we have from Lovecraftian fiction, for those of us more familiar with it, is this idea of the the hopelessness of man when it comes to overcoming things that we don't understand. Like, how do we all, as a panel, feel about this idea? Um, I would like to put all of my money on the indomitable human spirit. All right, that's one for humans. You know, I, uh, I'm kind of, it depends on what day, what day it is, but I, whether I'm on the human side or the cosmic horror side, but just the fact that, uh, that I feel like Batman is a perfect focus when it comes to integrating, you know, Lovecraftian themes and myth and wrestling with that. I think that's super sick. And I actually like hopelessness sometimes is appealing to me. Uh, I, I'm a little bit of a nihilist <laughs> myself sometimes. <laughs> Well, I'm g- <laughs> I was not ready for that. I- I'm going to take the opposite point of anti-nihilism. I like it. I like it. <laughs> that, was, that was good, Nick. But one of the things it does in this movie without giving away spoilers is it shows Batman uh, coming to the point of the only way he can fight against this horror is to give up a part of himself in a certain way. And I would argue that this film is still, for a cosmic horror story, very optimistic especially considering, you know, your Lovecraftian stories. I mean, just beyond what the man himself has written, what Stephen King has done as well. Like every now and then, it's not always going to end well for the the regular guy. But what I do think we often forget sometimes while reading these things is that who Lovecraft was. And this was a man who's about as lost as you can be in many different facets of his life. And it's a man who saw no hope in this world. But... One of the great things about the public domain is that you can take these things and then reinterpret them in different ways. Now, sometimes it's going to be hit or miss. You don't always have the greatest adaptations of Lovecraft's work. But I feel in this respect, taking a world that is full of hopelessness and then bringing a way it could be hopeful is something people need in this 
world right now. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about too of H.P. Lovecraft and hope and kind of redeeming his themes, you know, even Jordan Peele, you know, with his horror and, you know, just the fact that H.P. Lovecraft was a giant racist and how even Jordan Peele has taken those themes and influences and embedded them into his work and kind of done this, uh, you know, kind of black American triumph in his work. And it's just epic. And we kind of have to thank Lovecraft for that because we wouldn't have Jordan Peele without him. Yeah, I would say Lovecraftian mythos is where it's really important to practice separating the artist from the art because even by the day's standard he was racist right like he was ultra racist he was racist against different white people (laughs) so true i mean absolutely i mean as much as i don't like bringing it up i mean you look at someone like martin luther back in the day when a lot of people were anti-semitic this man took it to a whole different level and this is the person who made us uh, where we are today. Without him, there would be no Protestantism as we know it. So one of the things we have to realize when you grow up is like all your heroes, they're human still. Yeah. So you got to take the bad with the good and praise the good, curse the evil. Yeah. So another thing that's kind of brought up in the film is this whole idea uh, without once again going into major spoilers is the concept of the sins of the fathers affecting the sons. Like, this is obviously a huge trope within culture, but like, is this a biblical concept as well? I can't of quote God scripture. Punishing, do what? I said I can't quote scripture. I've never read the Bible. <laughs> this idea of like God, you know, the father has done this, therefore I'll punish the son as well. Like, is that a biblical concept? I feel like there's precedent. I just can't remember examples. You know, I think that where it is in the Bible... You know, I think a lot of that language comes from Old Testament stuff. And I think that the way that a lot of, you know, Christian tradition of interpreting that and, you know, even talking about humans being sinful, literally, you know, biologically coming from Adam, as far as like people uh, procreating and things like that. So I think that's there with, I don't know, you know, for me, I find that to be a misinterpretation of what's happening in scripture, um, in my opinion. But I think that the sins going to the father uh, or going to the son from the father is definitely influenced by the Christian tradition of that kind of concept transforming in how it's still even um, alive in our culture. And probably even like you it sounds like it's even alive and well in this Batman movie. So there's a couple of verses, uh, especially in the, Pentateuch, where it brings up the idea of the sins of the fathers inflicting upon even to the third and fourth generation of that parent. But also at the same time, we have a verse in Ezekiel where it says, uh, this is 18, 19 through 20. Yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? When a son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So I mean, that seems like a contradiction at first if we're not discovering the totality of Scripture. Because chances are, you have a sinful father, you're probably going to end up a sinful son. I mean, uh, the history of abuse, the cycle of re- abuse is so pervasive that it's going to keep happening until someone breaks that cycle. And that's what God is talking about here. Like, he'll inflict 
iniquities upon them for the third and fourth generation if they're still acting in sin. That's not an absolute for like, your father did this, therefore, even if you're righteous, I'm going to do the same to you. So that's where it stands. You guys have anything you want to add to that before we move on? No, I love the way you, I love the way you put that. You know, I think especially, you know, we all know the, you know, the, the common kind of colloquialism of kind of breaking the cycle. And I think what you're articulating there is definitely what's going on biblically. I think that's awesome, dude. Perfect. Well, TJ, you've got something you want to tell us about. And what's that? Man, uh, I would like to take a brief moment to talk about the best battle royale game ever created. Uh, Masquerade, Blood Rain. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Apex Legends. Uh, yeah, Christian. Uh, sorry, I forgot to rate and review like I promised because I'm a hack. So uh, Batman of Doom that came to Dotham. Gosh, dang it. I cannot speak today. God, Josh, you better keep this in. I swear. I want people to hear my anguish. Batman, the doom that came to Gotham is a nine out of 10. TJ, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. Like I always do continue, my friend, let me mute myself in penance. Hey, that's fine. It happens. But apex legends long has it been considered by many to be the best battle royale, but long time, long time fans of the game have kind of felt a little off these past couple of seasons. And it's, because of a few things, people don't like the meta. People don't like the balancing of you know the guns and things. Uh, things got pretty sniper heavy there for a little while, especially with the new legend added being uh, a sniper herself. Like her ultimate is just a sniper rifle. Uh, she does suck, but uh, Apex Season 16 is, at least in my opinion, by far the best season we've had in modern Apex. And when I say modern, I mean like since season 10, probably. Uh, it is Apex's fourth anniversary as of February, and they're going all out. It's amazing. They've added Team Deathmatch, uh, Control, and Gun Run as permanent modes, which a ton of people have been absolutely clamoring for. Uh, lots of legend rebalancing, gun rebalancing, a new gun for the first time in five seasons, maybe six. Uh, the game is fresh. It has literally never been more popular. Uh, it is still hitting new peaks on Steam regularly. And if you haven't played it, it's a great time to get into it. They're giving away a few legends, which normally you have to unlock just by playing the game uh, in honor of the fourth anniversary. And it is a great time. We've got good events, uh, good collection events, especially this the one that's running as of this recording. I think it'll be gone by the time it's out, though. So sorry if you missed it, but the reward is just heirloom shards, which is awesome. Usually you just complete the collection and get whatever they decided you were going to get. But with heirloom shards, you can just get whatever Legends heirloom you want. And it may not be a great way to spend $160, but if you were going to anyway, this event would be the event to do it in. Man, I have not played apex probably since the third or fourth season so it has been forever and i didn't realize oh, yeah. it was still relevant and breaking streaming you know like you were talking about reaching heights on steam or whatever uh and i mean and especially if they're giving legends away i might have to i might have to get in here before the season's over oh yeah for sure we are about halfway through season 16 never a better time to get back into it well speaking of getting into it like say there was a listener out there 
who wanted to get into it, how easy is it for them to do that? Apex is free. Apex is free and on literally all platforms that are you know currently supported by their companies. So you got Xbox One, Xbox Series S, Xbox X, uh, PS4, PS5, Switch, PC. You have three different options. It's it's free and it's very accessible. It's cross-platform okay. too, isn't it? It is. It is also cross-platform, but if you do go cross-platform with someone on PC, you'll be forced into their PC lobby, which is, it is a different game on PC. Uh, those people move entirely differently. So just be ready for a, a jump in the skill gap if you're if you're going to play with somebody on PC. Yeah, he, what you're saying is that get ready for a butt kicking is what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to click heads than it is to aim at heads. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so tj how would you rate this season 16 of apex legends right now uh this season is easily a nine out of ten okay yeah nick you don't know this but tj refuses to grade on a scale of 10 to 10 correctly and that it is possible to get a 10 out of 10 so it is i think the best i've heard is like a 9.9 something there are, there are some things that they could fix uh that i think would make the game a little better a lot of people still hate seer because they don't think he should be able to just see heartbeats for free. I've been maining Seer since uh, season 12, so I disagree with those statements. Excellent. Well, Nick, you've got yourself a topic as well. How about you go into that for the good people? So for those who don't know me, uh, I haven't talked about South Park, but I'm a huge South Park fan. Love South Park. I'm into the history of its development, the world building. It's, you know, the metaphysics of South Park. It's ridiculous. Uh, and the new season uh, just came out and uh, it is pretty incredible. So uh, for those of you who don't know, South Park since season 19 has been kind of going through like a roller coaster of good, what people consider bad, etc. And so South Park for the past like eight seasons, seven seasons has been kind of focused on like serial storytelling and they originally were kind of episodic. And so they've kind of returned to this episodic approach to uh, episodes and people have been loving it. I've been loving it. Uh, Randy Marsh is the dad of Stan, one of my favorite characters. And uh, he, he's kind of become the central focus of the show probably in recent years. So one of the episodes, so if, for those who don't know, Randy has moved out to the country. He owns a marijuana farm in Colorado. And one of the latest episodes, he buys a Japanese toilet for his family. It's got warm seats, warm water for the bidet. Uh, and uh, he shows it off to all his neighbors and invites them all over so he can brag about his uh, Japanese toilet. So uh, pretty, pretty incredible stuff so far in the season. Yeah, I would do the same thing if I had a Japanese toilet. Yeah, no doubt. Like there's a yeah. part where he invites people over for brunch and he's like, anybody have to use the bathroom? And they're like, no. And he's like, more coffee then. <laughs> he's trying to get people <laughs> to use his Japanese toilet. I mean, like they said, you're basically the Kennedys at that point. You're the richest person around. You got to show it off. Dude, it's funny that you mentioned the Kennedys because they make it this episode you know, I'm going to spoil it. Oh, a yeah. Bit. That's why I was. Oh, I was yes. Come on. Out. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, bring ride that Kennedy train. Ride it. Absolutely. I mean, this season has been South Park always had its up and ups and downs. 
this has been pretty up so far. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I just think of, I mean, the most recent episode with the discussion around chat GPT and like how legitimate is that as a storytelling medium? Is it, is it going to take over the jobs of writers and so on and so forth? But the way they utilize it is for Stan and is it Clyde? Yeah, oh, Clyde. Yeah. Both yeah, their girlfriends are texting them. And they put whatever the girls say into ChatGPT to generate a response, which they send to them. It makes them think they're also clever and emotionally stable and there for them. It's just, I can see people doing that right now. And I, I, I bet people are doing it right now. Oh, yeah. And that's what South Park has always been like right on the trigger of what's happening in the world. It's one of the great things about their system of we can make an episode within five to six days and air it because of how we do it. It's such fun. And I say that as someone who, when it first came out, I was in that ultra conservative, you know, anything that is of this nature is evil and I cannot be a part of it. Otherwise I will be seen as glorifying what they're saying. It's like, no. And they made fun of people like me, like at that point in my life all the time, because we look stupid when we say stuff like that. So guys, if you haven't watched South Park, like go out there, explore it i mean eventually i think joshua and i are going to do an episode on it we may get more people on that episode too because there's a lot we can talk about nick what else do you want to talk about you know i just encourage people to go watch south park the same as you um i you know i have i participate in tolkien academia gonna plug myself a little bit i had a recently peer-reviewed article talking about south park's treatment of lord of the rings and I got it peer reviewed and scholars said it was good enough to publish for other academics to read. So there's depth. There is depth there. Most yeah. definitely. You like the stick of truth as a reference. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they're going to be your episodes that aren't as good. The more, you know, scatological humor based episodes that I could I could care couldn't care less about. But then there's others. There's such a brilliance to them. I even like with this most recent season with uh Cartman and Cupid yay or ye or however the heck they pronounce it in the episode uh, and his drive towards anti-Semitism, making fun of the way Kanye West is doing it right now and his breakdown is like, it's not funny that it's happening to him, but it is funny how they work that into their episode to be like, what this man is, is saying is insane. No person should ever believe this. Like I'm half surprised they didn't bring up. This is what Kanye West actually believes like they did with the Mormon episode and the Scientology episode. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they connect it to <laughs> mental health too, which is interesting because yes. they even talk about like, we need to take care of people with mental health problems. Like if you're mentally ill, like you need to seek help. And you're like, how does South Park simultaneously make fun of Kanye and also say like, please take your meds. We want you to be better. Yes. I mean, Cause that's something he's denied himself that medication this whole time. And it's, it's showing, obviously, because he has a mouth speak, uh, mouthpiece to say a lot of things that other people who are off their meds don't get to say. But because he's such a public figure, it's so awful because of the reach he has when he's not taking a medication he needs to be more well-adjusted. It's a real shame. Yeah, very true. Old Kanye, please come back to us. Take your meds, please. <laughs> All right. Use this gospel. <laughs> anything you want to add before we rate and review this season so far 
You know, I don't think so. I uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and rate it, though. I'm going to give it this season. I've just been elated with it. So I'm going to give it 10 Cupid Yees out of 10 Cupid Yees. <laughs> Excellent. TJ, have you been watching? I haven't. Okay. Then I'll let you reserve judgment for later. I have. Thank you. And unfortunately, since it is not finished yet, I will pull a TJ and I'll give it a 9.5 out of 10. If this keeps going the way it is, this is a 10 out of 10 season. Respect. All right, TJ, you're next up on the docket. All right. So fighting games have existed for about 35, 30-ish years now. And I think they've really hit their peak, personally, with Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, That is facetious. I do think older games really do hold up. But uh, Guilty Gear Strive is definitely my favorite modern fighting game. And it's still alive. The game's already been out for two and a half years, and they're still fully committed to balancing and updating the game. Uh, We've got Arc Revolution World Tour Finals just happened, and it's usually when they announce some news for their games. They've got a couple active ones. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, up until recently, was also an Arc System Works game, Uh, but, you know, a little bit more popular than Guilty Gear or DNF Duel. But they've announced the penultimate character for season two guilty gear strive uh bedman question mark bedman almost a returning character but not actually uh if you haven't played and you like fighting games definitely check it out it's wacky it's cool it's fun uh the cast is ridiculous and it keeps getting more ridiculous but the big thing they also teased the final character for season two of Strive, which is that man, which is a big deal because that man has been the main antagonist of Guilty Gear for uh, its entire lifespan, except for the very first game. When I, I think technically it was Justice, but that man was still behind Justice, so it's still that man anyway. So uh, as a playable the- character for the first time in 25 years. Dude, so 25 years. So this this goes back because my fighting game knowledge kind of stops at Mortal Kombat. So for those, so you're talking about it's ridiculous. So does it fall along the lines of like Mortal Kombat or Clay Fighters, would you say around that spectrum? What is Clay Fighters? Oh, Clay Fighters is also a ridiculous fighting game. Kind of came out on Sega, you know, Genesis back in the day and kind of had a lifespan probably through N64 and onwards. But they also have random characters like they had. They brought Earthworm Jim into it. They have like Boogerman, like a snowman character. So anyway, uh, sounds like you're into fighting games, so you should check it out. But is it ridiculous? I'll be checking out Clay Fighters. It is. It is extremely ridiculous. Uh, Bedman is a sentient bed who is protecting a little girl. So, yeah. so you said the main bad right now is known as that man. Is that I know that in Japanese uh, media, the trope of not naming someone and referring to him as that man is something that's been ridiculed for a while. Is that like, is it making fun of that as a whole concept of we're not going to reveal his name or like, is it just like, is it playing the trope straight? It, it, I probably started off as playing the trope straight. Since then, they've revealed a couple different characters that were just pretending to be that man. So at this point, I think they're all in making fun of it. Okay. But definitely started off sincerely. 
Well, who also, do you main season right now? three. Uh, Biken. I've always made Biken. Uh, it used to be because she was a complex character who could do a lot of wacky things. And she still kind of can, but now it's just too late to switch. Yeah. Strive is the simplest Guilty Gear game. It is the one I recommend starting out with if you've never played like an anime fighter before. Uh, there's a lot more movement in anime fighters than most other games. Uh, I guess not like arena fighters like or 2.5D fighters like Tekken and Soul Calibur. Uh, but you're still playing with a whole other axis, really, because of air dashing, which is which is a good and fun mechanic. So, uh, if you would like to play me, uh, message us on Instagram. And uh, I've just switched to using a fight pad. I got a Snackbox Micro XL, so I'm worse than I am because I'm still learning these new controls. So don't expect a lot. I'm no longer on floor ten, but. They also announced Season 3 of Strive, which is great. It is my favorite game right now. I will play it for as long as they support it. Yeah, don't let him pull Shark, you guys. He's pretending to be weak just so he can crush you. This man's going to be at Evo one day and just taking straight money. I mean, look at I those wish. guns. You can't see it because this is a, not a visual medium, but he just he flexed the guns. He's got it. I was intimidated. Yeah. It's hard. Fight stick is hard. <laughs> But that's all for me. That's all for Guilty Gear Strive. Um, definitely check it out. If you're just a fan of fighting games, if you're just a fan of cool characters, check it out for sure. As far as rating and reviewing, how would you go? All right. Mm. Guilty Gear Strive is a pretty good game. It's not quite perfect. I'm quitting the show. I would probably give it an honest 9.8 out of 10. There are some things I think could change. Uh, every character has a universal anti-air, which I think is a bit too strong, but that might be because I play Biken. Fair and balanced as always. All right, Nick, save us from this. So I'm going to jump next also, topic. I'm going to jump right into the realm of video games and ride, uh, ride TJ's coattails and talk about Diablo four. So my whole life kind of grew up. My dad had a PC back in the early nineties, had the first Warcraft, first Diablo. So I've kind of been a blizzard baby um, and still enjoy some of their IPs, even after the whole, uh, you know, FBI scandal and all that jazz, but been a Diablo fan forever. So the first game, amazing. The second game I think came out in 99 or 2000, probably the best one so far. They came out with three, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago. It's okay. It's not great. Um, it's very it's very simple to approach. It feels like an Avengers movie, kind of like the first one, like the 2012 Avengers movie, very kind of quippy and fun and extraterrestrial and things like that, which is fine. Uh, but uh, it doesn't have any of the darkness that Diablo one or two have, in my opinion. So Diablo four is coming out. Um, the beta is open this month. The full release is in June. Um and it looks like it is returning to some of those darker elements. It's going to be doing, adding a bunch of raid systems in there um, that Blizzard has obviously been pioneering for a long time. And I think that Diablo is right now where it's at as one of the best IPs to host those sort of systems. So I'm, I'm freaking ready. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. My only yeah. experience with Diablo is 
uh, played a little, and I mean a little, in uh, yeah post college with some friends of Diablo three, and I gotta say, like very interesting world, interesting combat, and the way they use magic. But at the end of the day, the loot system, I was so angry. The whole randomized stuff, it's not for me. And I say that as someone who's completed Neo and Neo two, which is basically just using the same loot system. It's one of the most infuriating things on the planet. Give me, give me straight. This is exactly what's going to drop from this thing. But you know what? I know a lot of people really swear by it. So I'm happy to see you excited for more. Me personally, I've become quite the avid Diablo hater recently. Fair. Uh, we recently lost uh, one of our longtime Apex trio to Diablo 3 uh, as he's preparing for Diablo 4. He won't come back to us. So we miss him. And it's all Diablo's fault. I apologize on behalf the of Diablo Four. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I am a I'm a randomized loot kind of person. You know, just to actually just save me time because if I know I can get loot in a game and can put in the time and hours, uh, I will be on a video game for more time than I should be. And also typing yeah. an F in the chat for uh, Apex Trio. See, here's the thing, though. In Apex, your loot's always random. You don't know what that guy was carrying. Very true. Kill him and take what he found. And, you know, Diablo's going to be more, I think they're doing, which Diablo's also kind of done a online kind of system where people can play and kill each other and take their loot probably since the first game. But it seems like it's going to be a heavier dose of that. So I'm ready to either get pwned or pwn some noobs and take their hard-earned loot. Excellent. Now, since it hasn't actually released, why don't we go ahead and rate and review your hype for the coming Diablo 4? Here's what I'll do. I'll keep it reserved because I'm not going to pre-order. I don't pre-order games anymore. Um, I had Smart. a friend of mine who pre-ordered uh, uh, Fallout 76, and obviously look how that turned Oof. out for him. Uh, yeah, very sad on his behalf. And so I'm going to keep it reserved. Everything with Blizzard and Diablo in the past. Diablo 3 was kind of a disappointment in my life. So I'm going to give it uh, a 6. Just in case. Just in case. 6 out of 10 for me. That's fair. It's you know, a safe it, option. Keep it low. And then if it blows me my mind, it'll, even, it'll be even better than a 10. Perfect. Well, I've got the last topic of discussion for tonight. And that is what has been happening in Ruby Volume 9 which is a little about four or five episodes into this volume. Now, to those who don't know what Ruby is, it is essentially, it was created by a man named Monty Um and used by Rooster Teeth as one of their premier flagship uh, productions. It takes place in a world far beyond our own called Remnant, where these uh, creatures called Grimm that are formed out of like darkness and the stuff like that, that uh, are, can attack humanity and they feed off of negative emotions so what humanity did was rise up, creating hunter academies for hunters and huntresses to fight back against them and establish civilization. And so people all there, they're all born with innate superpowers. Some people can just move faster than others. Some people can heal. Some people just get stronger if you hit them more. It's a very fun, very fascinating series if you guys haven't checked out Ruby. But right now we're in volume nine and I have some mixed, <laughs> mixed feelings on what has occurred so far it is before i start that uh why don't i ask uh you guys like what is your familiarity with the ruby franchise do you have any at all so 
I know that they have a crossover with Smite. I also know Smite is a bad game, and I don't like it. <laughs> and I might know their names. I know okay. for sure one of them is named Yang. There you go. That's absolutely right. That's one of the core four. That's the only one I know for sure. Uh, Weiss? Vice? Is, Weiss, is yep. W? Or, uh, yep. It's, it's Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang. Like, See, I was close. Yeah. And there's also, speaking of DC animated movies, they're about to adapt the crossover story I did not read between the Justice League and the main girls of Team Ruby. Uh, so I don't know when that's dropping. But Nick, do you have any familiarity with the Ruby franchise? Yeah, I, I had not heard of it until you had sent us the show notes and then I had talked to you a little bit. So I, I like have no familiarity and I'm, I actually am going to, I added it to my list of nerdy things to uh, look up and check out after we're done recording. So I'm excited. It sounds super rad. Yeah, basically all volumes are about a movie length. Uh, some are as low as like an hour 30, some are a little two, uh, two hours. Uh, most of them really good. I have opinions on how I think volumes four and five and uh, seven and eight should have been merged into one volume. And I think they were just trying to make more money, but it's, I'm not the one making those decisions as a writer. They can do whatever they want. But one of the things, especially in this season, has been, without going into heavy spoilers, it's like how we deal with grief. Like, obviously, you guys haven't watched the show, so I'm not going to ask you about that. But like, what are some good tactics we can use to help ourselves and help others in this regard? Uh, well, I've always liked to express kindness. I feel like, you know, it helps me personally. Uh, just not getting down, trying to spread more good things, praying. The kindness thing Anything is huge. Admit? Yeah, I think, you yeah. know, just even talking to people, you know, in a kind way, you know, I like looking at like the psychology and science of talking to folks and listening to stuff like that. But even just talking to somebody that you normally wouldn't talk to increases the chance for feelings of empathy, cooperation, happiness, that sort of thing. And obviously in being angry or nasty at somebody is going to reinforce someone's negative feelings. And so just that kindness that TJ was talking about, just kind of piggybacking off what he said. Um, and you know, cause we've all been there. We've all, experience grief whether it was sadness from some how someone treated us or something outside forces that have you know induced some sort of trauma in our lives like we don't know what's going on in people's lives and so treat people how you want to be treated yeah yeah both of you very well said uh in that regard for me i always have to kill that concept of wanting to fix things that's just how i'm wired and if someone says, hey, I'm going through this. It's affecting me this way. Like I wanting to help them. It's like, OK, have you considered doing this? Or like, have you talked to this person? And I have to like not totally kill. But in that moment, that's not what they need all the time. Most of the time they need someone there to listen, to tell them things will be OK, that you love them, that you're there for them. And I've had to learn over time. That's the proper. Well, depending on the situation. That's a better way of dealing with it than coming in, you know, here's my, okay, here's my tools. Let's go, you know, fix this. Let's make thing, everything good. It's like that can be good later on when they're ready to hear those things. So same thing with grief. Like uh, I have lost uh, three out of four grandparents so far. Thankfully I have not lost uh, mother and father or siblings or anything like that. But my 
maternal grandfather when I was growing up was one of my heroes. And I loved this man. He and I just, we just clicked. He would take me on adventures in Hendersonville, North Carolina, where they were at. And we'd go, we'd go gym mining. We'd go to the wazoo. We'd go to a nature preserve and just spend time together. And like, we would talk about anything and everything. Like topics he didn't know anything about, but because I was so passionate about, he'd listen and he would go up and he would research it. And then did I lose him when I was in 10th grade. And I was devastated. And my mother obviously was devastated too, so I didn't know how to respond to her. But I had some really good people in my life who, instead of trying to fix the problem, you're sad, stop being sad. It's like, let's process these feelings. Well, you feel lost because of how much you love him. But also recognize, later on, they didn't start with this. But you know he was a godly man. You know where he's going to be. And wouldn't it be better for him to stop suffering because he had suffered from um, uh, not a certain form of lymphoma at that time, if I'm remembering correctly. The sands of time kind of ruined my memory, which is already bad to begin with. Uh, leukemia, not, not lymphoma, leukemia. And like, would you rather him suffering through all that for years to come or have God take him where he, there is no more sickness? And like selfishly, I want him there, but it's better for him to be there with God. So... I obviously, don't start your conversation with that to someone who just lost a loved one. But along the way, you can give them that as an answer. You guys, have anything you want to add? You know, I had it, just the way that you're talking about just talking, you know, you were talking about losing it. You said it was your grandfather, right? Yes. Yeah. I lost my grandfather too when I was 16. And we were also very yeah. close. We always drove places. You know, we played basketball, tennis, you know, all those, you know, we would just do things and, and just talk about life. And lost them. And so just hearing that and hearing later on, because a similar experience where, you know, you can't, you don't have, how good is your emotional processing as a teenager, but later on in life when you can kind of reassess, you know, and kind of recognize the yeah. wisdom that your family bestows upon you. And even obviously spiritual life hopefully is growing. Um, yeah. You can turn that grief into a type of joy. So thanks for sharing that. That, that reminded me of my grandfather. Thank you too. TJ, how about you? Anything you want to add? Um, I'm named after one of my grandfathers who did pass before I was born. The other one is still kicking. And thankfully, I wasn't named after his real name. I was named after his nickname because his real name was Elbert. <laughs> I don't know if I could believe the hype Joshua has made over you this whole time. The greatest co-host in the world named Elbert. Nah, I don't see it. Not me. TJ works. Thank God. He works in mysterious ways. So we don't make fun of you for your name. Yeah. I'm so, thankful every day. <laughs> so obviously I said, this is volume nine. Every volume is a season of Ruby. I have a question about like franchises as a whole, like how long can a series run before it wears out? It's welcome. Depends entirely on how good the series is. Second I agree game. completely. Ruby maybe should have stopped after six. So I've heard. Uh, I would say, like I said before, I would have condensed some of the seasons to have not weared out its worn out its welcome as much as it did. It definitely like I'm still very interested to see them finish it, but I can't tell when that's going to happen. And I see that as a problem. Like, I don't think it should end within the next two volumes, but I would like a, a direction, even though this season right now is basically uh, they're in an Alice in Wonderland kind of situation. And it's very fun, but it just feels like a side mission versus know, something that's continuing the story. Maybe that will change later on. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I would like to be proven wrong because, you know, I like enjoying things. So Nick, you have anything you want to add on this topic? 
Yeah, you know, I just agree with all y'all, what y'all of y'all said is, you know, shows can even redeem themselves. You know, one of the things South Park after season 20, people arguably were like season 19 during the time they're like, this is South Park's most genius, best season. Season 20 came in, fans did not meet the criteria. People were like, South Park's over. And they've kind of come back, in my opinion, you know, and I think another season of a show Rick and Morty, I want to say it was three or four. One of those, I, I want to say maybe four. I just remember saying, I was like, good Lord. Like every time you watch it, you just kind of cringe. Some of the jokes didn't hit. And, but they've, you know, as far as the seasons that have come out since them five, I think they're five and six, or is they just on five? Anybody know off the top of their head for sure? Well, you remember that discussion we had about nihilism and anti-nihilism? Yeah. There's a reason I don't watch Rick and Morty. Very fair. It is very nihilistic and uh, and sad. And uh, like I said, that is something that draws me. And I think they're on season six. Very funny. The jokes hit. The story, the writing is very good. So it just depends. A show like Walking Dead, which I was a huge fan of, uh, probably should have ended maybe like uh, maybe after Negan, maybe before. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Negan's where I dropped it. Yeah, same. Like that opening episode, like I, I felt no hope. I'm like I'm done. Yeah. Well, you know, One Piece. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something really positive. One Piece is on chapter like 1,000, and um, I should know this 60. because I read it. Thank you. 65, 1,065. Yeah, thereabouts. And still, great. it's been uphill since the beginning. But I think that's yeah. when you have one continuous writer who understands the characters he's working with. That really helps for a series like One Piece. 77. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, in um, I think right before volume three released, Montium died. And uh, they had a couple of the writers at Rooster Teeth take over for him. He had left over some notes that they're still using to this day, I'm fairly certain. So there's that whole debate whether like how long should a series last after a creator has died. Like he wanted it to be finished, so that's why they're still doing it. So I don't feel like they're taking this and making a zombie franchise out of it. Yeah, on that note, I don't think Berserk has to end. <laughs> and, and speaking of another series bogged down by nihilism, in my opinion, but that I know a lot of people really love, and I know, TJ, you're foremost among them. Yeah, Ber- Berserk, I don't think has to end. If it doesn't end, honestly, that's thematically appropriate. Are you getting monthly chapters now or not two even. times? Okay, so it's whenever the assistant is able to do it? Yep. Okay. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, the original uh, manga of Berserk, uh, Miura, mm-hmm. passed away. Miura. Thank you. Uh, passed away, and one of his assistants took over in his stead to continue the story uh, using some of the notes that he left behind. Yeah. I think it's the entire assistant team okay. that's doing it. And it they release them when they can. That works for me. But if they feel the need to stop, if they don't have concise enough notes to finish it, that's fine. Hunter Hunter though, another long series that hasn't outworn its welcome for me, but plagued down by horrible uh, societal crunch. Both Berserk and Hunter Hunter are their head writers were afflicted by illness, and that caused a lot of schedule slipping to occur. And Togashi Sensei, being the writer of Hunter Hunter, has always been one of those meticulous "it has to be done my way" kind of scenarios. So he refuses to have someone else draw it for him while he writes the script. So uh, Hunter Hunter fans and Berserk fans both suffering together. But I think we've uh, beaten a dead horse with this discussion. 
let me rate and review this season, this volume of Ruby. Uh, so far, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. There's hope for more, for better, but that's about where I'm at. So guys, which of these topics we discussed today would you say would be your top recommendation? Um, I would say the Resident Evil 4 remake demo, which I didn't mention until just now. <laughs> okay. So you've Why played that, the, TJ? Yeah, tell us, because you've played the demo? Oh, yeah. The, the demo of the very first part of Resident Evil 4 is out, and it's great. The remake's going to be amazing. Yeah. If you're familiar, it goes right up to the part where you get to the village and have to deal with the chainsaw guy. Yeah, dude, I've been seeing the releases called, for that. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's literally called the chainsaw demo. <laughs> but get the demo. All right, Nick, do you have something you want to spontaneously drop on us as well? You know, I am not harboring any awesome recent nerdy things that we have talked haven't talked already talked about. So I am terrible at making singular decision. So things that sounded interesting to me that y'all, I'm going to pick both of y'all's recommendations. Um, I think that the two ones that sounded like I need to add, bump up my list, I'm definitely going to play Apex uh, season 16 so I can get the free stuff. I love Apex. It's very fun. So that's something I'll probably get to first. And then I love Lovecraftian horror and mixing that in with Batman. So I'm definitely going to do the Doom that came to Gotham. So I'm pretty stoked to check those out. Okay. And as for me, I'm going to be choosing South Park from this list. Hell Guys, yeah. seriously, like get over how it looks. Get over your sensibilities of stuff being crude and calling people out on both sides of the fence because it's going to make fun of you. It's going to make fun of me and everyone else. And that's OK. Watch yourself some South Park and have yourself a good time. So, guys. Thank you again for joining us for these What's New episodes. We love doing them. There's so much we don't get to discuss in our regular episodes that we do get to in these. So it's a ton of fun. Head out to our shop at systematicecology.org for more stuff. You see us on the website there. You'll see all of our hosts that were on this episode and other episodes to check out what episodes they've been on. If you want to avoid us, like Joshua mentioned the last time we talked about this, you can do that too. Anytime you see Christian Ashley on this episode, oh, I can. I know I don't have to listen to this. That's all you have to do. And we do it to it for free. So you can avoid me as much as you want. Guys, as well, we have a Discord. You can also join us there to discuss these recent episodes, to discuss the manga, anime, your comics you're reading, what have you. We talked about The Last of Us there as well. Also, on our website, we have an option for you to select uh, future episode topics. We just had one that we're unfortunately not going to be able to get to for a little bit, but it will be on Tron. And I know we got a lot of people who are really interested in doing that one, so thanks for whoever sent that in. It's a really great suggestion, guys. Keep sending in suggestions. We love them. So remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.